0: And this is Ryan. You're listening to Six Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing podcast. Podcast. Hey guys, happy tenth episode, Steve. Yeah, happy, happy tenth listener. We made
1: it all the way. Uh, we had a couple of mistakes yeah. along the way. We've uh, fixed a lot of things. We've learned a lot. And uh, this is a special episode for us because uh, to celebrate, Steve and I are drinking tonight. That is that is correct. <laughs> We've just barely gotten started and Steve's a little slurry already. Oh, what are, dude, it's been a long week. Yeah. It's, we, it's been an extra long week. We'll talk about that in a sec. We're yeah. we're
0: drinking uh, Speedway Stout. Yeah, from Ale Smith. It's a local company for us, local brewery. Uh, Ale Smith Speedway Stout was actually ranked on some stupid list. Which I, won, I hate beer lists, yeah, but it, it was won like, a big award or something. Oh, did it? It was ranked as like the number one or number I think the number two stout, like craft stout in the United States. Uh huh. Something like that. I don't remember what number one was. It's good
1: and it's uh, it is strong too. Yeah, twelve yeah.
0: something percent. You know, I feel a little bad that I've still never been to Ailesmith, even though it's like five miles from my house. Yeah, it's real close. You should go. I think they're going to start expanding soon, too. I'll I think. Yeah, they're expanding your new location. I saw an article today. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear us swallowing a lot this episode, guys. Amen. We have a sixer
1: here, Black Butte. That we're too, if we if we run out of Speedway.
0: Yeah. From Deschutes. From Deschutes. They're in Oregon. I think somewhere. it's Portland, right? Are they a Portland beer? I don't know. Who cares? So I saw this beer list talking about the best beer cities. Uh-huh. And this list ranks San Diego number five, which is total crap. Uh-huh. Um, but what was worse than that is that they ranked Portland number one, which I, I apparently Portland is a really great beer city, and I sure I don't mind losing to Portland in that category. Sure. Uh, All of the comments I saw were like, why is San Diego not number two? Yeah. Um, But then the example of like the Portland Brewery to check out was Widmer. Oh. And I'm like... This is a bad list. I'm like, Widmer makes a solid beer, but I have trouble buying into... Like, I have trouble holding the opinion of a list as legit... When they list Widmer, who is 32% owned by Anheuser-Busch. Yeah, that's a sketchy list. I think it's Anheuser-Busch.
1: But we should move on, because this yeah. isn't a beer podcast. This is a guitar podcast. It uh, can be both. Or a music podcast. Uh, what's what's new with you in your music life, Steve?
0: I ordered a acoustic guitar preamp. Uh-huh. Um... For my acoustic guitar from Guitar Fetish. Oh, nice. And it's... I haven't installed it yet. I'm supposed to be getting it today, but I haven't been home. Uh Uh-huh. So hopefully I can install it tomorrow or something. We're here at 60 Cycle Hum Studios. Yes. So, uh... (laughs) Not my home. Not your home. Um, And, uh so this it's kind of an interesting preamp it's uh like the preamp box like you normally see on an acoustic guitar that is up on like the upper shoulder uh-huh and uh <laughs> we're getting a little burpee over here already, and uh so I'm gonna have to route up my guitar with like a dremel or something right, but this preamp has a built in condenser mic it's like a three on a three inch goose mm-hmm. That's neat, so you get the little mic inside the sound hole there and you can yeah. move it around. And it's supposed to give it like more like a uh, more natural sound and then you can plug in. so I also got an undersaddle pickup uh under uh, like a piezo? Uh, undersaddle piso mm-hmm. and uh or piezo or piezo or whatever. I have no idea yeah,
1: most of this stuff that we talk about, I've only ever read the word i've i it's very rare that you ever hear someone pronounce it. Yeah. I guess if you went on videos you could hear how Andy from Pro Guitar Shop Demos pronounces it or something like that. Right,
0: right. But who knows? Uh, So anyway, so I got that and the jack and everything and I'm going to do all the installation myself and it was like, for everything, I think I paid either, either just under or just over 60 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. Um, and I'm dropping in a guitar that's only worth like 75 bucks. <laughs> You're doubling the value, uh, Steve. Yeah no uh, sure right. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty excited about it because I've been playing a acoustic live more and the sound hole pickup right now I'm running my sound hole pickup on that guitar through my pedal board uh-huh. because I need the boot like the clean boost pedal in order to get the signal hot enough to for the PA to like find it right. <laughs> uh, so it's a little ghetto if sound it's the sound all pickup sounds great through my through my clean boost i'm uh-huh. using a uh well he's not in business anymore but it, it's a uh, the big daddy amp blaster from uh sbn pedals oh yeah yeah and that's like a kind of like a secret as far as like the real small hand-built guys like uh-huh. a lot of guys love the we, we call the bdab um but yeah, so that's uh, that's that's my new music thing. Fun, yeah. What's your new music thing? I have been waiting for a guitar
1: that I ordered in uh, in July, and this is March of 2014. I ordered it in July of 2013, so I don't know how many months that is. That's like eight months, nine months. July, yeah uh so five it's eight months it's eight months i've been waiting eight months for this guitar because the guy was who operates the company was out of the color that i wanted and the color that he had i hate that color what I color be- was it it was gold it was silver sparkle and i wanted gold sparkle oh, okay so totally different i'm like yukon Corn- cornelius over here i want the gold not who the silver the
0: Corn- from the root off the red-nosed reindeer I have put that on for my kid, but I never watched. it. I've never watched it. Okay. Well, <laughs> is well, this the one with the <laughs> Island of Misfit Toys? Yeah. I only know about that because I heard it on a podcast today. Okay. You got to watch
1: that, Steve. Your I, childhood I has a hole in it. Is it on Netflix? I, probably not. You could probably <laughs> illegally download it Ooh. when it gets around Christmas. You might be out of luck right now. All right. Okay. So I've been waiting for this guitar. It's, it's a Hallmark Swept Wing. And Hallmark is basically a company... That is an offshoot of uh, of Mo's right. Oh, okay. and uh, and it would, has been kind of resurrected in the last, I think, decade or so. And they, from what I hear, I've never gotten a chance to play one, but I've been lusting after this thing for like seven years. That's I finally a, that's deci- one of
0: the seven deadly sins. Yeah,
1: I just finally decided to pull the trigger on it because I I've just decided I've been wanting it so long, and I haven't changed my mind. I just got to do it. And now I've had to wait 8 months and it's showing up this Saturday. In 2 days it's going to right. be on my doorstep. Nice. And I'm so excited. I can't wait. I like this guitar. I literally have been checking my email every day <laughs> since I ordered it hoping that it will show up. And when I say checking my email, I'm I'm saying checking my junk email, the one that is attached to my PayPal account, like right. not my standard email that I check every day anyways.
0: So I saw that you were like so excited about getting this guitar that you that it w- had shipped that you actually uh, you did like a quick and dirty little yeah made a little cartoon cartoon like a little one panel comic for yeah because
1: I was so excited and I sent it over to the owner yeah and he's real nice he he's got a, a reputation of writing everyone back like really quickly and being very helpful and he he just fell in love with that design. And because he was shipping all the pre-orders out this week, he was posting it all over the internet and stuff, and it's pretty exciting stuff. I I just can't wait until I get this guitar, and I you know I hope that it lives up to all my expectations for sure, and I'm not let down. And another thing, I, I talk I talk pretty frequently that I don't own a single electric guitar that's worth over two hundred fifty bucks. You can't say that anymore. I'm I'm out of that club now because yeah. it's a nine hundred dollar guitar. Oops. Yeah. So I've become one of the guys who has. A nearly $1,000 guitar? Was it, wasn't it like... it Was Was
0: it $8.99 or $9.99? After taxes, it's like $9.30. Oh, okay. But then it comes with a case and stuff like that, Yeah, you know?
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So it's really only like an $800 yeah, guitar yeah. with a $100 case, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> should we move on to ads, Steve? Sure, sure. Which one should we start with here? you got a big pile. Uh,
1: I don't know. Let's start... With the uh, the this arch-top guitar that you pulled up today. Okay, yeah. Uh, it doesn't have any brand on it, as far as I can tell.
0: Do you, did you see any brand on it? I don't think there's a brand on it, but this is pretty typical K-Silvertone harmony yeah. design. Uh, actually, the only reason that this caught my eye is because this is a really similar design to the harmony that I have. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's in a little different color. Yeah, it's got that red it's more burst. more of a red burst. Mine's yeah. more of a t- traditional brown burst. It looks really clean in the pictures.
1: Like, you don't see scuffs on it. It doesn't look dirty. The pit guard looks pristine. The bridge looks pristine. So either someone has been playing this and keeping it up, or they haven't played it at all. Like, it has never been played yeah. sort of thing. They say the action's high, but... Yeah. Well, so that's these... going to happen with these, no matter what.
0: Yeah, the action on mine is pretty... Uh... Pretty rough. Now, the one thing that I think is different on this one than than mine is that this one has a truss rod cover. Huh, so, so that I'll, means it's got to have a truss rod, right? I would think so.
1: Interesting. Whereas
0: mine, uh, the truss is, uh, I believe, is internal. It actually doesn't even, mine doesn't indicate having a truss. It indicates that it has a steel reinforced neck. right. Uh, which I'm not sure if that actually means there's... If there is a truss rod, it's not... Right. At least it's not easily adjustable. And this It's being probably a, just
1: like a steel I-beam in there. Yeah,
0: and this being like an arch top, of course, it's not like you can get inside a sound yeah. hole to adjust adjust a truss. So this could be neat if you could actually get to the truss rod and adjust
1: it. Yeah. Uh, typically, these are not very good playable guitars. A lot of people get these in and they get this style guitar, and they put a really high nut on it, and they convert it to be a slide guitar, Yeah. and they put some kind of pickup in it. Uh, But if this can be made to be a playable guitar by adjusting the truss, then it might be worth the $60 they're asking for it.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, It's a little weird that there's no branding on it, but typically when you see these from Silvertone or K or Uh Harmony, Uh, they're in the hundred to one hundred twenty-five dollar range. Yeah, I've seen guys try to list them for two hundred, but I would say like a hundred to one twenty-five is is a more uh, reasonable price range. I mean, for sixty bucks, that's cheap wall
1: art. Yeah, like you could go to Aaron yeah. Brothers and buy a framed picture, and it'll be one hundred and fifty bucks for is, sure. This
0: is sixty bucks. You can hang it on your wall and never play it, and yeah. be like, "Oh, that looks pretty. It's a cool little guitar." I would recommend that if you're going to turn a guitar into wall art, that Either you get the cheapest pair of strings that you can, (laughs) because that way, like they'll rust really quickly and they'll match the guitar, right? Or you get the like a set of elixirs, which won't. Sure. Like uh, then you
1: could pull it off the wall every two years and still
0: play it. Yeah, I put elixirs on my uh, on my big baby uh, just because. I put Elixir's on my Big Baby just because that guitar sits out a lot, and I figured they would be a lot more uh, rust-resistant, rust-and-dust-resistant than uh, than the strings I had on there before, which are the uh, D'Addario uh-huh. whatever's. Um, which reminds me if you have a Carvin store near you, which this probably only applies to people in like that's only San Diego, San Diego. I, think. I think there might be one up in Los Angeles too, but I huh. I think there's one in like Hollywood somewhere. They probably, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look into that. Is I'd San imagine Diedo the only showroom
1: I'd imagine that whatever they have up in LA is probably part of another store. Like, Oh the- were like an authorized dealer or something. I, I could be super wrong. No,
0: I think I don't think they have authorized dealers because it's all all catalog. Could be super wrong. I don't know. But I think th- they,
1: they started out
0: in L.A. Yeah, I think they have the original showroom up yeah, there. And in then in they the, have the 50s and 60s. They and were up there. I think they still have that one and then they have the one here. But uh, that's where I get my bass strings and that's when I buy acoustic strings uh, because I use elixirs. Um, that's where I get them from because they... they Get them a lot cheaper for reasons I don't understand, but, uh, yeah. Pro tip. Yeah. Uh, you might've heard some noises. I cracked another beer and
1: poured another beer for myself. So I'm into the black butte now. Uh, we'll keep you posted on the, the beer status of the episode. Steve is still Uh, working on his first. Yeah. Okay. Next guitar. I spotted this earlier this week. Uh, it, I don't even know what brand it is. But the reason that I this ad popped out to me is because something happened to the headstock of this guitar and it looks like they cut off the end because th- to make it look cleaner, like maybe the end snapped off or they really like busted it up. They cut off the end. And imagine like like a like a six in line kind of like Jackson or Kramer sort of headstock. like uh, the long pointy kind of headstock. I think that's what this was originally. And the, so the tip is cut off and then they moved the sixth tuner, the E string tuner, down to lower on the thing, and it just looks stupid and goofy, and it just caught my attention and they're they're asking $145 for this known name guitar that's like a like some kind of like shredder knockoff where it's got a single humbucker, a single volume and uh and a strat trim on it, and it's just like i understand what they were trying to do but it looks so bad like it's such a bad fix that they tried to do on this thing it's really janky and i, I want to yeah. know
0: if that's the original uh the uh, like the actual tuner that was there and they just flipped it upside down so now that's you have happened. to like tune counterintuitively no it does it does look like that it's <laughs> and uh so it, it's really ridiculous. And how much are they asking? One forty-five. So here's my take on this guitar. If this guitar was like sixty bucks, yeah, I actually think that the pickup, that pickup and that body, so the pickup is like angled. It's a uh, sure. So if you've seen like a Jag or like a Mustang pickup uh it's kind of like well this this thing wants to be a kramer yeah it might even
1: be one of the newer kramers or something like that
0: yeah yeah maybe um but i like that pickup angle. like i think that pickup angle just it looks cool i don't know if i've ever seen this is this is a single pickup design yeah single pickup so i don't feel i don't know if i've ever seen a single pickup design with a humbuck with the angled humbucker oh they're out there
1: Sure that's out like there.
0: the 80s shredder thing. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's like the Van Halen sort of thing. But no, like, the Van Halen thing is just don't mount your humbucker, just <laughs> throw it in there. <laughs> so this, speaking of Van Halen, this is something that actually happened to the original Van Halen guitar, the one with the stripes on it. He busted off the end of the headstock and lost the uh, the high E string tuner. And his guitar tech did drill an extra hole. Are you serious? Lower and did put the tuner down there. But it was only a temporary fix. What if this guy and did it, it was, on purpose? It was, the thing is, they, he re-glued the part that got knocked oh, off okay. and then re-put the tuner up there, but le- I think left the hole or left that extra tuner down there. And it was part of like the look of it for right. quite a while. But this guy just completely cut the tip off of this headstock, and it looks so bad. Yeah. It looks so weird. It's like it
0: got a circumcision.
1: <laughs> a little bit more than a circumcision like,
0: uh but, i think that's i think that would be called botched but seriously for 60 bucks uh if i was in a projecty kind of mood sure. i would be tempted to pick that up just for the body yeah but it's not 60 bucks it's 145 it's it's more, bucks. yeah 145 is a terrible price yeah that's ridiculous especially you unless know, it no actually name. is
1: some sort of historical like 80s shredder guitar like if that's a Carvin or an original charvel or something like that but there's nothing on the headstock that indicates that there's no brand in the ad so it's probably not and it comes with a little tiny practice amp that is worthless
0: like you don't that's a five dollar i kind of want to know what amp this is because there's no brand on that either it's, prob- it's well, probably it's probably like a little gorilla there is a brand but the guy never posts a picture of it it kind of looks like a custom uh, like when Custom yeah. was doing their whole uh, DFX, oh, what was that series called? I don't remember. We're going to listen back to this and the sound of his
1: drinking is going to be so gross sounding. <laughs> oh, man. Just use, a, just use a, what's that called? A noise reduction. That's not going to reduce that that much. Stop drinking on your microphone then. <laughs> well, if I'm going to drink, I'm going to do it on the mic. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we've got another ad here and this ad has a ton of pedals in it and a ton of like random stuff but the thing that I want to talk about it I'm not going to go through all these pedals there's like 15 pedals in this ad like from Waz to different Dan Electro overdrives and delays and stuff like that but the one I want to talk about is that there is a, uh, a vintage Arion, uh distortion on here let me see. What is the price that he's got on that? $40 for that, which is a it's a high to fair price for those. Like they go for anywhere to 30 to 60 bucks. I was
0: thinking these were like $40 new, were they not?
1: They might have been. But I don't they don't sell them anymore. This right. it was made in Japan, which you know, not much musical equipment gets made in Japan anymore. No. Well, it is it something maybe. interesting about these pedals is that they're stereo. Yes, even, even the th-
0: distortion is stereo. The
1: distortion is stereo. Weird. It is got a mono in and stereo out, huh. and it's got a weird switch on it that's either like soft or hard. And I listened to some demos of these. I've always been curious about them just because they're they're these cheap plastic pedals right that were made to like for entry level guitarists in the eighties and the nineties. And sometimes the worst stuff. Is the best stuff, especially when it comes to pedals. Like sometimes the cheap stuff that was like bottom of the line, you get like the heaviest, funkiest, like most unique kind of sound out of it. Right. And I'm kind of tempted to go pick this up. It's it's in my area too. No, is, I, it, is it up here? Yes up. It says near Mesa College, which is near me. Okay. Uh, so probably really close to me. Um, but I listened to some demos of it. And the way that I described it to you is it kind of sounds like a cross between a rat and a Big Muff and a DS-1. Like, it lives in that kind of very heavy... Right. it's like
0: high gain. High gain. Kind
1: of fizzy. Fizzy, fuzzy, grindy, kind of like crazy area. And I just wonder if this could be like that special secret pedal and... In somebody's setup, you know,
0: it probably is. And, you know, the way you're describing it, not tonally, because because the pedal that I'm thinking of right now is a very unique uh, piece. But there's always uh, there's always, you know, there's always use for pedal as much crap as I give like the stock DS one. I'm sure there's people where that's the foundation of their tone and I would listen to it and I would be like, this makes a lot of sense. Uh huh. And that's kind of like uh, I owned for a while the uh, Dan Electro Fab Tone. Yeah. The Maroon the big maroon one. So not not the fab fab series stuff.
1: The big the big original but the, but the original
0: ones where they had like the fab tone, the daddy o the cool cat. A lot of people really loved uh, those. That yeah. was like
1: the go to overdrive distortion pedal for a long time. Well
0: I had one on my board for a while and the problem is is it's just so noisy with single coils. Uh-huh especially at church, because we have the fluorescent lights in there. And just terrible wiring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I ended up, uh, actually, I think, I don't know if he still has it, but I sold that pedal to uh, Isaac Vining, one of our listeners, oh, one cool. of our subscribers. Uh, I sold that to him a, a while ago, or maybe I traded it to him, I don't remember. But that was uh, they. That was for a long time considered like the shoegaze pedal. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just like this instant wall of sound uh and it's just like (laughs) so i mean it's really cool um and i don't i don't even remember how much i paid for that originally maybe like 30 40 bucks that's good if that's what you pay and uh you know you just find stuff that works yeah totally find stuff that works guys yeah uh
1: there was some i should we should be talking about this there's some posts by a uh a guitar building or pedal building company today that everyone was posting around where they like posted this this sketch they made of the modern oh, pedal yeah. board and it was funny because it was I think it mostly has to do with worship guitarists and church guitars. Yeah. Because it's like the pedal board went light gain drive, another light gain drive, another light gain drive, volume pedal pedal for swells. Uh, <laughs> delay computer pedal reverb computer pedal
0: altoids 10 like and it yeah. like Alton nailed what everyone is doing these days Alto- in that circle altoids 10 for picks because pants pocket is is not convenient yeah. uh, delay computer where with two patches ready for use of the 100 patches ready that can be used reverb computer because playing in a giant cathedral style building right isn't reverb enough <laughs> okay we'll we'll move on from that maybe
1: we'll bring that that stuff up later uh, I hope not <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started yeah I know right uh, next is an ad that I didn't even show to Steve until just like before we started this thanks it, <laughs> usually we send ads to each other throughout the week and I screen grab them and print them off and so we both know what we're about to talk about. Oh gross, I just burped. Beer burp. This is what happens when we drink during podcasting. How does reformed Podcast
0: not sound like this? I wonder if they're faking it. Maybe that's why it takes some they said that their editing process is pretty <laughs> They have to edit out all the burps and hiccups. <laughs> I'm not making fun of you guys. I'm just it's an interesting observation. I don't know.
1: I, guys, if you're listening, we're sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um this is for a Burns marquee. Uh, the ad was originally posted for three fifty, but I checked today and it's down to two hundred. And this is a guitar that I've I lusted after a lot uh, in my, my youth. Work. I know, right? Uh, if If you don't know, Burns is a company that originally was based in London. I think it still is based out of the UK, but they probably have everything manufactured in Korea, like every everyone else, um, or China. But it's basically built around uh, kind of the the British player. They put the pickups in these guitars that Brian May uses. Is, are they in this one too? Uh, the, well, this one has been modded. The guy okay. replaced the bridge pickup, but the, the, the middle and the neck pickup are, are the original. The Trisonics? The Trisonics. That's cool. And it's basically a Strat layout, but I think these guitars are so cool. They have this really neat wood scroll on the headstock like a three dimensional thing coming up off of it uh it's got a strat tremolo on it, and it's got this really cool like three piece pit guard that's cut up and moved around with the name printed on the upper horn uh Burns was kind of made famous by uh what's the guy what's the name of the guy who's in the shadows? Oh jeez, I can't remember his name, Olson. I wow. should know this
0: um. Let's come back to
1: that. I'll yeah, find out. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you see it, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah. yeah. Abs- oh, why can't I remember his uh, name? I, Hank so, Marvin. It's Hank, Hank Marvin. Marvin. Okay. So Hank- for
0: some reason, when I looked at this ad, I didn't actually read it all. And I didn't realize. I wonder if every time I look away from the microphone, it my volume it like, does. disappears. It does. It does, but it's fine. Um so the thing, that, uh, the thing that I didn't realize when I was looking at this ad is this was the reissue series from like 10 years ago. Right, from the 90s or the 2000s. But I always heard those were really good guitars. Yeah, they're supposed to be pretty good.
1: Uh, but yeah, the, Burns was made famous by Hank Marvin, who started out on Fender Strats and then moved to, to Burns and to some other companies as his career went along. He, he's a guy who you hear uh, the song Apache yeah, uh, and a couple other Shadows songs. Uh, big name in Europe, n- not as well known as in America, but he should be, like a kind of a surfy instrumentally kind yeah. of. If you're
0: not familiar, player. if you're not familiar with Apache and uh, the Shadows, what you may be familiar with is the Carlton Dance from <laughs> well, French Prince of Bel Air. Who is Who is the rap group that did that song? I don't know. Um. Oh, uh, jump on it. Jump on it. So well, the thing it. is, is like a bunch ding, of a few ding, different rap ding, groups ding, have ding, done versions ding, of that, ding, and ding, I want to say Apache,
1: Sugar. Jump on it. I want to say sugar it.
0: <laughs> sugar.
1: it might Hill be Sugar
0: Gang. Sugar Hill Gang was at least one of the rap groups that did it, right. right? But I'm pulling that off the top of my head. They sampled whoever did it. Sampled that song. It, hard. It, it's been sampled a few times. Like, yeah, once it once once Apache became a rap sample. Uh huh. It became like a rap sample for multiple artists right um so the the song apache slash jump on it has been done. I've heard at least three different versions of the rap song uh-huh, but I'm you know at two hundred bucks, I'm getting close to being motivated dude to
1: call on this. what does your wife think <laughs> well i i <laughs> Uh, like a year ago, I started keeping a spreadsheet of all my gear sales and purchases. And I did that because I was basically kind of starting to get afraid that one day my wife would call me on how much I'm spending. And then as I started to do everything, I realized that with all my sales and how low I buy stuff, I'm pretty much in the black. Yeah. And I looked at everything and I had like all this money (laughs) that I was in the black on for guitar sales. And so I've basically been like keeping track of everything like oh yeah I'm making good investments Well, that's but-
0: because you need a factor in all of the money you spend on surf wax
1: <laughs> I spend almost <laughs> no money on surf wax but uh but I have the money in the in the fund to to get this if I want there I'm not as I don't have as much money as I did after I bought that hallmark sure but now, it's like so- I the, the hallmark thing it just keeps me from buying stuff cuz I'm like I'm about to get oh, another oh, guitar I'm about to get a guitar in the mail and that's been my attitude since August right. last year. Like I'm going to get this guitar any minute now.
0: So here, so I realized that not all manufacturers are going to operate the same way, but with the Hallmark, did you pay it all up front or did, was there like a deposit? Did I you pay the rest later or like, how does that, I've, I mean, I've never o- ordered. Here's how it went with Excuse Hallmark.
1: Uh, I think this is how it went just because of the guy who runs it. Uh It's probably different with other companies I ordered it. He wrote me the next day and was like, look, we don't have that color. Here's what we have. I wrote him back and said, I'd like to wait until you get the color I want in stock. Right. And he refunded my money to me. Cool. And then when the new color became available, he he sent a request for me to pay again oh, okay. through PayPal. So it's not like it automatically debited my PayPal. I, he well, sent yeah. me a request. That's good okay so move let's move on to the to the last ad. we're at half an hour now
0: whatever yeah whatever episode 10 episode 10
1: oh yeah drink cast word to your mother drunk cast well not drunk i'm not drunk are you no i think i'd have to get a couple more in me and we're talking too much for that to even happen i could
0: drive (laughs) you
1: don't have to though
0: no, well, my partner. wife is here because I only have one car.
1: I think people can hear every now and then. I'm hear- hearing it in the headphones. I hear uh, your daughter downstairs. Yeah, so
0: my wife and my daughter are here uh, because I only have one car because my Civic died. Right, like for reals, dead. Like push it off a cliff. Yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. In the ground.
1: I'm going to start crying right now. Oh, uh, don't cry, Steve. Okay, you've Hello. had a lot of time with that car, dude. Eight years. Yeah. That was your pre-marriage car. It was my pre-marriage pre-marriage
0: car. pre-kid. I got that late, car's no, been I in your it. life
1: a long time. Yeah,
0: good times. Good times. That was actually you know what's funny is after I got married I, I got the so I have a, I had a Civic. My wife has a Corolla.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I don't think my wife B rig when it was its largest. My your favorite band, right? Uh, my my base rig for that. I don't think it actually fit in the Corolla. It would only fit in the Civic. Oh weird, yeah. Uh, be, that was I'm saying like when I was running the the full stack, uh-huh. uh huh. Which was oh, I yeah. four by ten with the one by fifteen. That was nuts when you were doing. Oh that. my gosh, it was so. Rad. I forgot that you did that. Okay, let's let's move on to the last ad. Uh, this
1: is for a kind of historical guitar, and I don't know if this is a fair price for it. It probably is not at all. The guy wants $3500 for it. Wow. It is for a Schecter hardwood Stratocaster. It's not from the 70s. Whatever. It's probably not worth that at all. This is posted in Los Angeles. And this is really interesting to me because Schecter is known as producing kind of import mid-range kind of like your 400 to uh low seven hundred dollars kind of guitar center fodder kind of guitars, which I think are actually they're produced to be very good quality for the yeah, for the price range. A lot
0: of people don't like the high gloss finishes on the neck. Uh huh. Um, I like that on necks. but yeah, if you like that on a neck, wait, I'm the same deal. Like, I don't, I really don't like satin necks, and the the fact that I bonded with my Telecaster because uh-huh. it has a has a raw wood neck. Right, uh, the fact that I bonded with it is actually kind of surprising to me, but I, that might be because it's not satin. It's like just raw, right, right. Um, but yeah, a lot of people complain about the necks being a little gummy, but the ones I've played felt fine. Yeah, I think they're they're for the price, I think they're really great quality
1: instruments. they're they're geared more towards aggressive music, kind of like metal, metal new metal. Uh, that kind of thing, they have a couple that are good for kind of more vintagey stuff. I forget the name of it, but that one that kind of looks like a like the, a firebird with the, the ultra? three pickups, yeah. The ultra. the ultra,
0: the Robert Smith guitar,
1: yeah. And it's got uh, a Bigsby on it and it weighs about 27 pounds, <laughs> it's got all kinds of switches and stuff. I think those are cool guitars aside for the weight, but uh, are they heavy? They're really heavy, oh. they're a big, big chunk of wood. But if that's what you're looking for, that's a great guitar. Yeah. If you're looking for something more vintage if you're looking for a uh, an aggressive, like, modern rock sound guitar, I think Schecter's are awesome. But this is not one of those. This is from the, the history of Schecter, and I had to look it up because as soon as I saw this, I was like, I didn't realize Schecter had a history past the late 90s. So I looked up the history, and it's really pretty interesting uh, where Schecter came from. They came out of the the late 70s in Los Angeles— as basically parts manufacturers for people to replace. I'm
0: surprised you didn't know this. I didn't
1: know this. To replace the parts in Fender guitars because, you know, the 70s were notoriously bad years for Fender because of CBS owning them and a lot of parts on the Fenders people didn't like. So Schechter was in the business of making – like a different neck or a different yeah. body or different pickups or different pickguard or they different were, bridge. Uh, they were
0: basically like a. They, they're like they're, all parts or mighty. Yeah, mighty. Well, well, from what I understand, they were probably more like. Uh, is it? I think they're called uh, USA Custom Guitars mm, or like mm-hmm. Warmoth. Like they were. That was the go-to company for high, like high-end Fender replacement. Yeah, parts.
1: and a big thing that they did is that uh, the 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 trend back then was more for sustain right and for really heavy woods so they would make necks out of really heavy woods they would make bodies out of really heavy woods dark woods and and stuff that you were couldn't get out of fender basically right and they would make all the hardware out of brass because brass was supposed to be a magic material for acoustic qualities and stuff like that And it probably is i mean you make trumpets out of brass and i think that was always the thought like well trumpets are made out of it why wouldn't you make a guitar part yeah, out of it? Yeah, they still.
0: When you buy like a Callum bridge for Telecaster, you're a lot of times uh, you're going for brass. Like brass saddles on a Telecaster are a big deal. Uh huh. So basically, Schechter had some glory years from the late
1: '70s into the early '80s. And they went from making a few parts to basically making every single part that you could have in a Fender guitar. And then they just started making guitars because they're like, we've got every part. Right. Let's just put them together. Yeah. So that's what this is. This is a fully assembled Schecter guitar with a Schecter nameplate on the headstock. And it's really pretty. It's a dark wood with some kind of copper pickguard. Yeah,
0: like Pal- is it like Palferro or something like that?
1: Something like that. Uh, oh, that's sad. Uh, this is hardwood. Yeah, Palferro. Yeah uh it's a neat thing to look at it's a neat thing to think about the history of that company i guess uh real quickly after the early 80s the whole company got bought out by some meat packing company in texas (laughs) and the meat packing company was like shady and sketchy and was like doing bad things in the meat packing industry and transferring over those business practices to guitars and they took like all the parts and made as many guitars as they could, and they started ordering. All, all I can ordering. think
0: about is that I, I think it was in the 70s or 80s when Jack in a Box was like some kangaroo meat. <laughs> I think it was something. in the 90s, was it? I remember I don't that.
1: Know, whatever. And uh, and so this meat packing company owned it for a while, and then a, a Japanese fellow bought it. I forget his name. Oh, excuse
0: me. Keep having these beer Oh, Just the neck is palferro. The body is walnut.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's got to be so heavy. Yeah. Uh, so some Japanese guy bought it in the mid to late 80s from the meatpacking company. And he moved it back into being a premium, like, custom brand based out of Los Angeles. And they made these kind of top shelf custom guitars for a while. And then in the late 90s, they moved into making these production series guitars, which what. Everyone knows them as now, but you can still order custom shop shectors that are really high quality. And like I said, I think that the import stuff is high quality. It's just, uh, it was interesting yeah. to kind of read up on that company because I'd never even thought about the history of it before. I so, thought it had just showed up in the 90s as some sort of new thing.
0: Yeah. So I'm looking at the, uh, the pictures. Um, I guess this could be late 70s. The layout. And everything reminds me of the Dan Smith era Fender. Yeah. Uh, which is more like 81, 82, 83, somewhere in there, like early 80s. Uh-huh. Either way, whether this is late 70s, early 80s, I have a lot of problems with $3,500. Yeah. That, there's no way it's worth that. I mean, um,
1: someone, has, the person who has this has probably been holding on to it since they bought it in the 70s. And because of the history that they know of the company, they believe that it's yeah. worth that. Well, they
0: it says in the ad like, oh, this was owned by like a a big shot player or something. Doesn't matter. And, yeah, it doesn't. If it if it's really like a legit big shot guy, na- name some names. Yeah, dude. name some names. Do, do the name drop. But thirty five hundred dollars, like I can go out and buy a nineteen seventy six Stratocaster for twenty five. Yeah. Why am I going to pay $3500 for probably, what's ultimately an off-brand?
1: You could probably get yourself into the worst years of the 60s with that much money on a Fender.
0: 3500? Yeah, I think yeah. you could get a deemed up like sixty eight, sixty nine. Yeah, Fender. Sure, I think so. I I it would be a push, but I'm sure you could. Do I think it. if
1: you're looking long enough and hard enough, you'll yeah. find it. Yeah, long and hard. You got to look long <laughs> and hard. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're so classy tonight. okay so that was it for ads let's move into topics huh
0: yeah let's uh do you want to read this do you want me to read it Uh, you read it this is actually oh tenarian culture that's not what we're reading (laughs) what tenarian culture uh i was do we want to talk about it just real fast okay since i mentioned it so uh, there was this thing on uh on pbs that melissa and i watched for like 10 minutes last night all right uh, about the Kiffians and the Tenarians. and it, they were these people that lived like in 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 Saharan Africa and like okay. northern Nigeria and Niger. Uh, but they lived in the Sahara back when it was like jungle before, like it became the Sahara Desert. Uh-huh. So anyway, something about mummies and not mummies, but like the way their burial practices and whatever. And that
1: has been the Anthropology
0: Minute by Steve Rao. All right. (laughs) Uh, So we got this email from James T. Smith. Hi, James. Hey, James. Uh, He says, gentlemen, I enjoy the podcast and look forward to future episodes. Thanks, Thanks, James. Uh, I would like to suggest a few topics or I would like to suggest a few topics to hear discussed if I may. Having uh, trouble reading, Steve? No. All right. So, this is actually like a pretty jam packed email. Yeah. There's a couple uh, good questions here. So, the first one is guitar build quality in general. It seems that the range is $500 to $600 minimum for a stage worthy guitar. Lower priced Epiphones, for example, lack sufficient quality to me. Are manufacturing costs simply too restrictive? Um, $500 to $600 for a new. Epiphone, um, like if you're buying for a brand new guitar, I could see why five to six hundred dollars would seem like the range for Epiphone. Sure. Ryan and I are both really big Craigslisters. Obviously, we're big into the used market. That's we, kind of the the why this podcast exists is because we're we're so we spend so much time on the used market. Yeah.
1: And the the, the nice thing about the used market is that you buy something at a used price. And then if you decide that you don't like it, you get to sell it for that same price. And you're either, you're either not losing much money or you're making a little money.
0: Yeah. Um, that being said, to answer the question more directly um, or more in depth, I think that for me, the sound and the playability of a guitar is what you make of it. Yeah. And uh, so, I, for example, right now at home, I, I have a uh, Epiphone Les Paul Jr. I think I paid 80 bucks for it. It's one of the older models uh, with the P90. Edit yeah, you bought that
1: thinking to do like a project with yeah,
0: it. Yeah. Someday I'll, I will actually project that guitar. Um, but the thing is that the cheaper you get in general... The more hit or miss you get, like you're either Absolutely. you're either so at like you know a hundred dollars, you're either going to get a guitar that's like you're going to say like you you're not you're very very one in a million you're going to get a guitar that's like oh I paid a hundred dollars for this and it's awesome sure well maybe one in ten thousand oh, sure whatever <laughs> um, but you can find p- very playable guitars in that range but you can all you're also going to find a lot of turds right. right? Um, the more money you spend, the less uh, you're going to find turds. Yeah, the
1: less that risk is. You're still going to find them, but it's going to be reversed. It's like one in, th- in 10,000 is going to be a turd if you're spending over like 2,000 bucks. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I think with if you're looking at Epiphone, if you're looking at Les Paul, you are really stuck. I haven't played the studios, I so I can't really comment on them. But I would say if I was looking for a Les Paul style guitar, I would have to go in being prepared to spend on the used market at least three hundred dollars yeah which probably translates to like around 450 500 on the new market
1: i think the new stuff is is right where he's saying in the 500 to 600
0: yeah um (laughs) now we're having a tough time with the burps
1: over here so
0: so a lot of that just has to do with uh the way set net guitars are just a little more expensive by design. Sure. Well, Gibson in general
1: runs their guitars more expensive.
0: Yeah. So, so at the same time, I think new. If you're going with Squire, you can find some real winners in the Vintage Modified uh-huh. series, in the Classic Vibe series, and I think Vintage Modified starts around two fifty. Uh, I want to say three hundred. I think Squire Standard is two fifty. Yeah. Vintage Modified is like two seventy nine. These are all new prices. Yeah.
1: I play out in uh, in
0: bars and and venues quite
1: often. I've been seeing a lot of people break out the squires. Yeah, well, a lot class- of people breaking
0: out the the newer squires, like and the, and rocking them well. Yeah, the classic vibe stuff is three fifty new, and that's they're great playing guitars. Yeah, people
1: really swear by them. The parts go for great money. People buy them and then just part them out yeah because people are really excited about how good the necks are and how good the hardware is and the bodies and everything about them is really great right now
0: yeah so i, I think a lot of it just comes down to what you're looking for uh uh-huh. and really what's your own uh what your personal threshold for like what you what you're comfortable playing with is and unfortunately um that's why online reviews sometimes are just completely worthless is yeah. You know, the classic example is you go on back in the day when Harmony Central was, like, functional. Right. uh, (laughs) You would go on there and you'd find a review that was like, oh, I just bought this Squire Bullet. And when I went to the guitar store, I was like, Squire Bullet or PRS Custom 24. And, like, I thought this Squire played just as good as the PRS. No, dude, you just don't know how to play guitar. Right. right? That's Um, not a comparison. Like... But at the same time, for myself personally, like, I know what I like. Yeah. And um, so and I've probably talked about this before. If I haven't, I'm surprised. Well, it uh, sounds like James likes the
1: Gibson-style guitar. Yeah. So he's not going to be excited about hearing about a a $250 Squire. Sure, He sure. kind of wants to know, uh, is is the price range of $500 to $600 for an uh, a intro instrument into... Or a stage-worthy instrument that is a Gibson style, if that, is that fair? I, you know, you could listen to our last episode and how we talked about prices of musical instruments. I think that's a low price. Yeah, five hundred to six hundred dollars to get started as a stage instrument. I think that's fine. I, I don't think that's extremely high. I don't think that's unreasonable. If you're looking for a a very well-playing, Paul style guitar, that's just what you're going to be paying because there's the set neck involved, there's more wood involved, uh, there's uh, usually pretty woods involved with those kind of guitars, right. and you, you pay more for that kind of aesthetic. Where Fender guitars, because they're so modular and usually they're under uh, a thick layer of paint, like it doesn't matter as yeah. much, and they can make them cheaper.
0: And there's a weird thing that goes on with Epiphone and Gibson, where like once you get into the 500... $500, $600 range with Epiphone, like, you're getting a really good guitar. Yeah, I think so. And typically, there might be some electronics issues. The switches on Epiphones are notorious for failure. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but you're getting, like, a decent set of pickups, and uh, you're getting a guitar that should play pretty well. On the flip side, like, I've played faded series Gibsons that were just absolute garbage, yeah, like eight I think they're like seven eight hundred dollars some of some
1: of those are are magic though, but a lot yes. of them a lot of them were bad. and that happens a lot with Gibson and I think it has to do with the set neck uh with a fender if they put it together and it doesn't feel right, they take the neck off and put a different neck on and oh this one works. And they just throw that neck away with right. a, with a Gibson. If you you set the neck and you set everything up and you get it strung up and it doesn't feel quite right, they're like, "Well, it's together. We'll sell it." <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually how how it works, but uh, uh, that's you know, who knows. All right, moving on to the next question. I think we covered that one pretty good. I mean, you know, it's so it's so subjective too. Yeah, like you've really got to go out and play these guitars to figure out which one you like. Right. Like we were saying with a set next, anything could could go back and forth with them. Sure. Uh, I would never. Well, I did. I did order a guitar.
0: Yeah, without a nine hundred dollar bit. guitar. Yeah,
1: but you know, ideally with a Gibson, you every store sells them. You can go play one and figure yeah. out which ones are good and which ones are bad. Uh, let's move on to the next question, and it's another Gibson related question from uh, from Jeremy. That's James, name. James, James. That's what you get when you have a beer cast. Oh, come
0: on. <laughs> That's what you get when you're illiterate.
1: <laughs> Are Gibsons overvalued generally or in comparison to Fender? Is the vintage Gibson market outrageous in your opinions? I was looking at looking at this question today and I looked up the prices on eBay. I just searched for vintage Gibson. And I was kind of surprised what came up. I think if you get into the 50s. And the early '60s stuff, obviously, you're going to be moving into uh, five-digit territory for sure. You're going to be moving into fifteen and tw- and twelve thousand dollars. But you'd be surprised how many <laughs> how many late '60s and through the '70s Gibsons there are available for basically what's a new Gibson price. Yeah,
0: well, you know, Gibson in that period kind of was in the same. I don't know I don't remember the exact dates for Gibson uh but they kind of were in the same spot that Fender was in where they were suddenly owned by a company uh-huh. where making a quality instrument well they wasn't also the were competing line.
1: against a company that wasn't doing that great
0: right so, so they didn't have to do that so great for either. Gibson there was so for Fender we have what uh, what's uh so if you guys haven't figured out i'm a fender guy fender is what i i know really well Uh uh-huh uh so in fender we have what they call the pre-cbs so there's basically i would say there's three eras of fender there's what they call pre-cbs uh cbs era and then what's now fender musical instruments corporation right so pre-cbs is like from their founding 1950-whatever uh-huh. until 1967-1968. CBS era is 1968 until about 1982-1983, somewhere in I there. I think
1: so. I can't remember.
0: Um, and then uh, basically once Fender Japan started was kind of the end of the CBS era. Right. But then you have Fender Musical Instruments Corporation, which is Fend- which is basically Fender no longer now when i say cbs i'm talking about columbia broadcasting System right the or tv whatever. station the tv people yeah we're like hey we have a great idea let's buy fender right um so, this, uh, and then, so then we have the modern era, which started in like 1983, 84, somewhere well, he, in there. Here's my question. Yes. Can you do a timeline like that with Gibson? Now? Yes. Okay. So, Drop it on us. So, I don't, well, I don't know the exact years, but I know there was a period in Gibson history that's referred to as the Norlin era. Okay. Uh, so you have Gibson, and then you have the Norland era when Gibson was bought out by norland i don't know who Norlin is or what they do sure some company uh, that owns but it, things but it, the norland era for gibson is equivalent to the cbs era for fender okay where for a long time it was like oh you have a Norlin era like that's too bad now i know the norland era encompasses at least uh some if not most of the 70s and i think some of the 80s and norland era was really known for like really heavy guitars um and Norlin era is in parallel with the Japanese lawsuit era Gibson, like the Bernie Greco, whatever. Right, right. Um, and uh, and that's why some people prefer those guitars. Like, oh, you, you're going to buy a vintage Gibson, just buy a Bernie. Yeah, just totally. buy a Tokai or whatever, or an uh, Ibanez or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, that. So all that being said, so so yeah, so you have this gap in Gibson where the values are down. Um, our Gibson guitars. Vintage Gibson's overpriced. I realize we kind of skipped over the first part. Uh, our vintage uh, Gibson's overpriced. It's weird. I don't know why. Why vintage Les Pauls, like fifties, early sixties, command as much money as they do. Well, that, you see that with with Fenders, too. That's true. It's just, I think it's really a supply and
1: demand thing. I, uh, a lot of those guitars didn't survive. Yeah. Uh, and there really weren't that many made. It wasn't that huge of a market. Right. Their you know, original first run of electric guitars, people were still getting used to them. Uh, Beetlemania hadn't quite hit in full force yet. Uh, you know people weren't buying electric guitars as much as they are now. Right. So there aren't there aren't as many 50s and 60s examples of electric guitars around.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of it depends on what you're looking at. Like you said, you saw a lot of Gibson examples that seem to be similarly priced to Fender uh-huh. uh, in the same time period, and that's definitely an important thing. If you're looking, what is it, 57, 58, when the first Les Paul standards came out, the non gold top like the first humbucker models. Uh-huh. Those things command upwards of six figures. Oh yeah. Um which is way more than like even a 54 Fender commands, which was sure. the first year of the Stratocaster. Sure. Um but once you get into well there's a gap in the Les Paul. What once you get into like the Gat Les Paul like say 68, 69 and through the 70s, the prices are definitely they're probably still a little higher than Fender, but they're comparable. Right. If you look at other Gibson stuff like the SGs from the '60s, so from like '61 to '68, uh-huh. um, and uh, the pricing there is probably still comparable to Fender. Um, but you like like I said, you have these guitars that are kind of like the legendary guitars, which really is the Les Paul, and the prices are just insane. Yeah. Um, now, as far as modern Gibson versus modern Fender on prices, some of what you pay for with Gibson is, and if you guys want to talk about this on the Facebook group, like, oh, please do. This is a, this is like a major flame war topic on every guitar forum on the internet. Um, but part of, I know part of the reason that you pay the, the extra thousand dollars or whatever for Gibson is because it's, It's Gibson, the oldest guitar company in the world. Sure, sure. Or whatever. Here's here's what I have to say. I think
1: that if you you grab a a $2,000 new Gibson, I I don't know if there's an actual $2,000 price point Gibson. Probably. Probably something close to it. Sure. And then you grab a $2,000 Strat or Fender anything, I think in build quality... And in sound quality and finish quality and aesthetics and everything like that, I think they're going to be very similar. Yeah. I think a, a big disparity between. Dispari- disparity? Disparity. Hey. Uh, booze, booze cast. Uh, <laughs> a big disparity between Fender and Gibson is that they both operate on different price points. Like yeah. Fender's high end stuff starts sub $1,000. Nice. How- <laughs> <laughs> is this annoying? No, this it is sounds really things. nice. It's making me thirsty. Uh, Gibson's high-end stuff starts post $2,000.
0: Right. And and some of that is just because of the modular nature. Like, we talked about modular right. guitars, and the idea that Fender's modular means their prices are lower. If a neck doesn't work on a Fender, they can swap it yeah, out just and put one that out. works. Whereas if a neck doesn't work on a Gibson, like they throw the whole guitar away, or they yeah. sell it at a lower price. Well, they
1: don't because they're all part of lines now. It's not like, oh, this one's a B-stock and they sell it as B-stock. Right. They just sell it to Guitar Center and hope someone doesn't notice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, and that's kind of been the the complaint about Gibson recently. There's been quality issues with Gibson uh, in finish quality and in build quality. There has been stuff getting past... uh, Uh, quality control that to people who are paying over $2,000 for a guitar are not willing to accept,
0: which is fair. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I I'm sure Gibson will survive whatever issues are going through. Um, it seems like a lot of people are excited about like the 2013, 2014 stuff. Okay. Um, I'm so far removed. I think the biggest threat to Gibson is that um, companies like Duesenberg and Gretsch yeah. are kind of catching on right now. A lot of people I are into Gretsch it right I, now. You know, I see Gretsch as being a threat, but uh, that's also like all praise and worship circles. So in my I mind, like praise and worship people occupy like eighty percent of the market when they <laughs> when they really probably only occupy like ten percent. No, they they say that. Uh, that like 40% of
1: what goes on in in music instrument retail sales is is church musicians. Really? It's a huge market. And and re- only recently have companies really been waking up to that. <laughs> Steve is doing some heavy no, breathing hey, over here. Hey, I'm I'm here. <laughs> Don't fall asleep on me Steve.
0: <laughs> Sorry, got a, got a Snapchat. <laughs> But if, it, why? Because I am a fifteen-year-old girl. It's
1: it's amazing how much money there is in the church market, for sure. And I, you know, I am sure it goes to all kinds of different religions too. All all sorts of religions have musical services and they have live audio things that they do. I don't know they're, if it's they're doing the, PA's. Maybe I am sure in America it's mostly Christian. Yeah, everything that falls under the umbrella of Christian. I don't
0: know if uh, I mean I is there does is there. Muslim rap I have no idea I'm sure they use PA. if you listen to Muslim rap or like Muslim rock Uh uh-huh let us know at 60cyclehumpcast (laughs) at gmail.com I'm totally serious like sure I, I mean it's just something I've never thought about the idea like yeah definitely in in western culture like Christian music and church music is like a really big thing I mean Sometimes I think like a company like Strymon would not exist. No, they would have a tough time. If uh, churches weren't like didn't employ so many musicians. Right. I think a lot
1: of those boutique pedal companies and boutique guitar companies, whether they're religious or not are are thanking god every day oh yeah (laughs) for their income and for their their clients well i remember it was uh
0: (laughs) whether they believe in a deity or not what what's the company that makes uh like the black black moon reverb
1: oh uh no
0: it's it's called supermoon by mr black yeah okay Yeah, yeah uh and uh We are way off topic. Whatever. Yeah, who cares? Um <laughs> so I remember there was like a big fallout with that guy because he wrote some email to some people that was like full of vulgarity. Sure and all of these all of these people in Gear Talk Praise and Worship were like, Oh, should we still support this guy? He sent an email where he cussed. <laughs> who cares? Alright, what's the what's the last question from James? <laughs> uh uh what guitars
1: uh, do you feel would bring the highest market value that have been as yet unsold? For example, Jimmy Page's Les Paul. I
0: actually thought this was a really rad question, and I'm going to start off this topic with um, kind of a sad note: is that uh, last year, or maybe it was two years ago? I don't remember how long ago it was. Uh, they had like a ridiculous amount of rain in whatever in in Tennessee. Uh huh. And I I don't remember what the river is that runs through Nashville, but it flooded and it flooded like crazy. Right. And Nashville is basically there. So there's basically like this music city, there's like three music cap, what true music capitals, right? Maybe four, but I'm going to say, uh, Nashville, Austin, Chicago, maybe, maybe Seattle, Chicago didn't pop in my head. Well, whatever. Nashville is definitely one of them, though, right? Sure, sure. So Nashville, uh, and a lot of Session guys live there. A lot of big country guys live there. A lot of big rock guys live in the Nashville area. Yeah. area. There's <laughs> just a lot of studios and there they, and a lot of yeah, action. When, they, when the, whatever this river was or whatever happened flooded, um, it destroyed a lot of vintage instruments, yeah. including uh, the one that I remember reading about. Well... I think Keith Urban had some of his stuff destroyed uh Brad Paisley and the big big one was or um Who's the guy with the crossbow? <laughs> what are you talking about? He's on
1: TV. Uh, are you talking about Ted Nugent? Ted
0: Nugent.
1: You could have said any weapon And it could have been Ted Nugent The uh, guy with the crossbow the guy with the I thought crossbow. about the guy from from
0: Walking Dead I was All like right. does he play a guitar I haven't seen that movie um, <laughs> It's not a movie know, it's show. a TV show
1: uh, So Ted, I think Ted Nugent I think Star Wars? Star, 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 Star Trap? <laughs> I love Dark Vader <laughs>
0: All right, uh, I think Ted Nugent had like a couple of his uh, Birdland uh, Gibsons destroyed. Uh, well, he's got uh, like four hundred of those. Sure, those. sure. And then the other big one was Peter Frampton had some of his stuff destroyed. Okay, all his talk uh, boxes. <laughs> well, some of his like triple pickup yeah, Gibsons. Yeah, yeah, he's got some real nice um, Gibsons. So, so as far as stuff that is unsold, um, yeah, Jimmy Page's Les Paul has to be up there. Though, interestingly, a lot of Led Zeppelin stuff, people don't realize, was recorded on a Telecaster. Yeah, he used all kinds of guitars. Oh, yeah. Silvertone, Telecaster. But I think Les Paul was like his live thing. Wasn't Stairway recorded
1: on a Telecaster? That's what I've heard. And people people kind of go like, oh, Stairway to Heaven, your classic Les Paul tone. But it was right. recorded, on, recorded on a Telecaster, apparently. That's the story. But he was one of those guys who who was big into using the old Dan electros and Silvertones yeah. and stuff like that. And I think the idea was he was just like, I'm so good, I can play this garbage guitar and make well, it work. Well, there's
0: some of that, and some of it is like he knew what he wanted to do tone wise, yeah, sure. and so a lot of that's why uh, the Supro and Valco stuff. Aside from Jack White, who I have to mention in every episode. Oh my gosh! Now, Why do you uh, have this thing? <laughs> uh, but like the Supro Valco, like that style of amp, uh huh, Silvertone, whatever. Part of the reason that it survived for so long is because that's what Jimmy Page was using. Sure, it was I think a Supro Thunderbird. I want to say it was a model. It's an incredible the things that I think I remember. Um, so yeah, I, I'm gonna have to say Jimmy Page, Les Paul, uh, like James suggested, is definitely one of them. Sure. Or as you like to call him, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, another one that I think Sorry, has, Jeremy. I think has to be up there is uh is uh Clapton, like a Clapton sure. strat or Clapton's SGs.
1: I mean basically any person who played for the baby boomers who is still alive, when that person dies Oh yeah. You know, anything they have in their collection is going to fetch tons of money. I don't
0: even want to think about how much uh, McCartney's Hoffner oh, yeah. is going to be worth when it goes to auction after he dies. The bass? Yeah. Oh, the, the, vi-
1: the violin bass? The, viol- the quote oh, they
0: call it. Gosh. I mean, think consider the fact that every violin bass since the 1960s is called the Beatle bass. bass. Yeah. Despite the fact that it had some other name. I, mean, that- I don't know a lot about this stuff. I don't
1: know who still has what and what has been sold and what hasn't been for what price. Uh, but I imagine that if, if someone is holding on to that, if he still got it, when he dies, if his, you know, current wife or kids or whatever, sell it off, it's going to fetch a ton. If there's still baby boomers alive, uh, eventually you know the the market for that stuff is going to disappear as history goes on you know and right in 200 years are people going to be still paying tons of money for beetle stuff compared to other stuff
0: there are people who think that the Beatles in 100 years will still be like
1: the thing yeah but there's people like more now than ever who are saying that the Beatles are super dated sounding and aren't that great you get I, a lot of critics now i'm one of those critics but i i don't know there's some there's you know they they're definitely one of the bigger known yeah. one of the top if you make a list of top known bands in the world they're up they are on there well they know, are in the top three it's
0: one of those questions where on the one hand are the Beatles still gonna be cool in a hundred years I don't know on the other hand there has to be a Mozart for our time yeah and so the question becomes um, no, does there have to be Mozart for every time? I think so. Like,
1: what is the Mozart for a hundred years after Mozart? Debussy. I don't know who that is. So that's not the Mozart M- maybe, of that time.
0: L- maybe Litz. I have no idea. Listomania. <laughs> so sad to see it go. Oh my gosh. Like a ride, like a ride. Oh. My wife is. My wife probably heard me. She loves that song. <laughs> Phoenix. They're from France. Listen to them. Oh my gosh. We're at one hundred
1: and seven minutes. Whatever. Now. Uh, Not one hundred. We're at an hour and seven minutes.
0: One hundred and seven. That would be way different. One hundred and seven minutes is uh, an hour and thirty-seven. Yeah, 147 I know. One hundred and forty-seven. I know.
1: I just read the thing on the thing.
0: Uh, oh, this whole time we've been calling him James Smith. He says, uh, "Are we done with that top question?" I think so. Let's let's wrap All it up. Right. I, hold I, on, hold I'll, on. I'll... He says, "Thank you, and again, the podcasts are interesting." Yeah. Is that a compliment um, or like? <laughs> Well, he says he enjoys the rapport that the two of you have on the shows. Oh, nice. Jim. Thanks, Jim. Actually, we appreciate this email a lot. We do. This Um, is the kind of email we like to get. And, uh, yeah, no, this is great. Um, And uh, so next question. We have time for another question? I think we have time for another question. Uh, Cody Thompson threw this in, and we were talking about this a little bit, whether or not... um, Minimum wage affects the used prices on Craigslist.
1: I I don't know. I'm sure it affects it at some point. I think minimum wage is kind of the steering uh factor in a lot of, the way a lot of things are priced in America. Uh I don't know if it has I mean, we're on the edge of people really uh pushing for a minimum wage hike in America. Across yeah. the board and in, in a lot of different states. So we might find this out soon. Like see minimum wage and then see everything else go up. Uh In general, music equipment has been really stable.
0: Yeah. It's hard to say. I think uh maybe the value of minimum wage is affected. And we talked about this a little bit before the podcast. And I think uh the point Ryan actually made to me was that. It might be affected more by a median income in, yeah. in an area. Um, but really what we are trying to figure out is like, so in California, I think minimum wage is around uh, eight or nine bucks. I know in Washington, I want to say it's $9.35, mm-hmm. $9.15, something like that. I know SeaTac, I know uh, for those of you non-Washingtonians, non-Washington, Washington <laughs> Uh Sea Tac is the Seattle Tacoma area. Sea Tac. Yeah. Uh I'm so cool because I just call it SeaTac Tac. Um, <laughs> Have you been uh, up in that area? No, no I've actually I I've, I've been up there once. I've You I've would act- be
1: surprised how close Tacoma is to S- Seattle. Oh yeah. I've never, it's like the difference between Poway and downtown. Oh, okay.
0: I've never been to like this the sound. I've been through uh spokane and yakima okay and we drove up rainier which was really cool because it was august and we drove to the like the highest area that you can drive to in rainier and it was snowing wow in august and i guess they had some freak cold spell because when we were in yakima it was like 55 degrees and the gas station attendant attendant was like dude it was like 55 it was like 100 degrees last week you should have been here I was like, why would I want to be in that? That's that's really interesting. Yeah, they have like here's, this massive here's, weather Here's a question I have. Why why are we doing a weather? What podcast? does that have to do with, with guitar <laughs> <Nothing>. stuff? Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, so Cody, I don't cool story, Steve. Yeah. I don't think the uh, Craigslist in Seattle is overpriced. Because of minimum wage in Seattle. I think that Craigslist in Seattle is overpriced because you're in Seattle. Yeah, I don't know what it is. We, we talked about this on an earlier podcast. What's, yeah. what's the deal, Seattle? And it's still really weird to me because there's so many musicians there. The price, the market should be saturated. The price should be lower, if anything. Sure. Um, so I still say I that know. there must be a different haggling
1: culture up there.
0: It's possible. Or maybe like people
1: start much higher to
0: for people who haggle. Well, the other thing is that I'm pretty sure in SeaTac and just Washington in general, the cost of living is a lot lower than it is in California. I think that's true, especially so, once you
1: get out of the city, which is easier to do because the city is smaller than here.
0: Yeah. So you could take that in two directions. One, either the cost of living is lower So, the price of instruments would be higher because it's a luxury good. Sure. Or the cost of living is lower, so the the price of a musical instrument should be lower because everything is lower. Right. Um, So, I'm not really sure what to think. I'm not really sure why everyone in Seattle wants to give... It seems like uh, across the board, price.
1: they're like fifteen to twenty percent higher yeah, than they but, should be.
0: But maybe it's a haggle, Maybe it's an issue of haggling. Yeah. Stick in there. Uh, go on eBay. Look at completed listings, and just kind of like take a mental inventory of what things are selling for. And uh, I mean, and then in the end, though, you
1: offer. If you're living in that city and that's the price range of used stuff, then it's like you buy it high used and you sell it high used if you're not really losing any money cuz you're 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 breaking even each
0: time yeah you can still find ways to to flip stuff i'm sure yeah i'm sure it's harder to do the craigslist to ebay flip but it might be a little easier to do the ebay to craigslist flip oh yeah that's
1: true you could get something on ebay and then uh not lose money selling it on craigslist sort of thing yeah.
0: And which reminds me at some point we need to do figure out some more information about this reverb.com place. I know. I was looking at that the other day. I was I was
1: cuz I have a couple of pedals I've been trying to sell forever and I think there's just not a market for them in San Diego. I need to get on there and figure out how to sell on yeah, Reverb.
0: If you guys know about reverb.com, I bought their tuner but I don't really understand the way that site operates. So if you know about it, jump on the Facebook group and tell us about it because yeah. It's a mystical, magical place, and I don't want to learn about it. I'm, I'm scared. He doesn't want to do the homework for
1: himself. So, I'm lazy. Uh, 60 Cycle Home listeners, please do the homework for Steve so he doesn't have to read. Yeah. yeah, Dude, I, mean, <laughs> I work in science, man. Right. You can't expect him My to My brain, brain hurts. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, let's move on to the end of the show yeah we uh we put a, some feelers out to get some songs today and we actually got a couple so we're set for the next uh two episodes yeah
0: but if you've got a song send us an email at 60 cycle at gmail.com and we will play it in a future yes. episode please
1: send us one or two songs mp3s don't send us links uh tell us some details about how you recorded it uh what kind of gear you used Anything, really. Just don't get too wordy, and and we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, Today, we're going to end the episode with a song from Andrew Sprague, and uh, he has a side project called Clarity Hall, and we're going to be playing a song off of that called 9.05, uh, which is interesting because it's not nine and five seconds long, nine minutes and five seconds. It is three minutes and four seconds long.
0: Does he ever give any indication why it was called 904? No. Uh,
1: but I, he sent us an email, a second email explaining what is on it. A uh, guitar, fender, standard, Telecaster in brown sunburst with GFSL, little punchers. Uh, GFSL? GFS, little punchers. I threw the L on there because uh, I've been drinking. <laughs> uh, modern vintage pickups, neck and bridge. Bass. The bass. <laughs> wow! <laughs> it is nearing the end of Drink Cast. Uh, bass. Ibanez. Five we string. just
0: lost our entire listening audience. <laughs> well, we lost all the bass players. <laughs> Wait, that's me. <laughs> so, Alright. Uh, the bass is an Ibanez
1: 5-string. amp, Amplitude 3 using custom-made presets modeled after Fender Twin Vox AC30 and Marshall Hashtag for guitar. There, he sent us a ton of information yeah the there. Uh,
0: fender bassman preset with overdrive was used for the bass uh for effects he used the amplitude 3 modeled rack mounted reverb and delay units uh-huh and i guess uh he says that a lot it looks of it like, it looks like he did a lot of computer
1: stuff yeah, on there. so he yeah. he laid down his guitar tracks and did a bunch of computer backing on it uh, which is it's fine this is the kind of stuff that we like to hear yeah. we want to hear what people are working on we want to hear like, uh, we want to play people's little projects and stuff like that. And we also want to
0: play people's big projects. Yeah. For drums, he used TuneTrack Easy Drummer, which is cool because I've, I've kind of, uh, I'm always interested in looking for drum stuff because recording drums is, is tricky when you don't have a lot of mics. And then he used yeah. Reaper, which I've used, tried to use Reaper before. And I always end up back on Audacity because I'm lazy. <laughs> and, uh, Reaper is a cool program, but it's a little, it always feels a little overpowered but I think that's just because like I said I'm lazy <laughs> um, so let's play that track and yeah. what, once again this is called 905 and uh, by Andrew it's probably is it Sprague Sprague something uh, like that anyway it's uh, soundcloud.com slash clarity hall music or facebook.com slash clarity hall music so check it out yeah this has been 60 cycle hum our 10th
1: episode. Uh, we made it to 10, let's make it to 100. What do you say? Wow, that's a lot. Alright then, if this is where the music is probably going to be fading in. I hope so. Yeah, it's going to be really neat the way it slowly fades in and our voices start to like disappear.